Welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to follow your passion and purpose. My name is Kitty Waters. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of ATL Europe Group, also the creator of Kitty Talks. Our mission is to inspire a generation of changemakers to follow their passion and purpose and make a difference on the planet. All our interviewees have been carefully selected and you will hear amazing inspirational stories of people who have listened to their little voice and followed their purpose. They will reveal bite-sized tips and success secrets that can help you to fulfill your passion and purpose on the planet. Be sure to head over to kittytalks.com and sign up for our exclusive club where you can hear behind-the-scenes footage. These interviews will inspire you to take action. Please like and share so others can have the courage to follow their passion and purpose too. Welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. Today's guest is Rebecca Campbell. She's a best-selling author, inspirational, motivational speaker, spiritual teacher, grounded spiritual mentor, and practical intuitive guide. Rebecca, welcome. Thank you, Kitty. I'm really happy to be here with you. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I read your book on holiday in Greece. Um, That's a compliment. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was fantastic. I saved it especially to take on holiday with me. And then when I was reading your book, I remember the part of your book, which was explaining the series of synchronicities that happened to you, which led you into the work that you do today. So Mm. I'm really looking forward to hearing a bit, a little bit more about that. Um, But just for everyone out there listening, I'd love you to tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do in the world. Okay, cool. So I'm Rebecca Campbell. I'm originally from Australia, but I moved to London about 10 years ago. And I'd say that my whole life, I like many people listening, I'm sure I had this just niggly feeling. There was something I was here to do and I needed to find it and all of that. When I was younger, I had my first spiritual awakening, quite young actually. And very soon I realized that people my own age and even everyone in my life thought I was a little bit weird talking about past (laughs) lives and all of that. It was when I was like about 13 or 14. And so I very quickly went into a spiritual closet. But I remember going to one of my first events. It was actually a Hay House event who is now my publisher. And hearing the term lightworker, And it was just like everything in my body just said, yes. It was a woman called Doreen Virtue who was speaking and I got her books and I was like, it's like I felt like I came home because the way she described that term, which for me is anyone who is devoted to being a bright light in the world, anyone who is devoted to listening to the whisper of their soul, aligning their life to the flow of the universe. That's a light worker to me. And when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I've been searching for. And I finally found the words. As I said, when I was younger, I didn't know anyone else who was spiritual or believed in this stuff. Except for I had one very good friend, which was a very serendipitous relationship, how we met. Her name is Angela Wood, and she'd lost a daughter through very young, a similar age to me. And I remember reading about her in a magazine and the next day at school, I brought the magazine to school and I was showing my girlfriend a picture of this woman, the mother, Angela. And I said, I feel like I just need to find this woman and I just want to like her and make it better. And my friend was like, that's really weird. You're weird. You're talking about lots of weird stuff. And then her jaw dropped. 
because there was this woman across the playground and she said, that woman over there kind of looks like this woman here. And it was her. Wow. And so for me, Angela, this was, I would say, the most serendipitous meeting and point of my life where it was like, it was, we were meant to meet. And so I ran up after her and was clutching magazine and going, oh my God, you know, long story short, she ended up becoming one of my best friends at that stage. She was like 60. I was 14. Wow. <laughs> I go to her house after school and my mom was just so understanding of that. It's almost like she understood the fact that I kind of needed other wise women in my life. And it was actually Angela who took me to my first Hay House event. And I remember picking up that book, The Lightworker's Way, and and you can heal your life. And all of those books, which I'm, I know that you've probably absorbed as well, Kippy. And I had this very clear vision that I'd be writing books like that. And I'd be writing wow. a body of work that would fill the shelves. But at that time, it just felt so distant to me. And if I'm really honest, it scared the crap out of me. Because as a young girl, I'd always like write like creatively poetry. And what I now see is the whispers of my soul. I just do that. It just made me feel good. But I never showed anyone. And the thought of sharing that with other people, it really freaking scared me. And so I was like very on a mission to be as normal as I possibly could. <laughs> so in my spiritual closet, I ended up deciding to be an undercover light worker. <laughs> and I chose to go into so many of us, you know, the corporate world, great training <laughs> for the next. There's never, ever a mistake. And I do not see the decision of me going into a different industry as wasted time. It's all, if there's anyone who's in a, industry now and you're like oh my gosh I've made the wrong decision there is no such thing as that because all the threads lead to the same place in the end so I ended up going into advertising because one of the reasons I decided was because I saw how many ads were being bombarded at people constantly and I was like what if I could put good energy in there now I see how much of a steep road that was like honestly seriously yes. <laughs> but it was a great training ground for understanding what a brand is. Like I started as a copywriter and then ended up as a creative director and it was training ground to be a writer like I am today. So again, if you're in a path that doesn't feel like it fits, don't beat yourself up because there's always a reason for it. So I had given myself these goals as we do when we're making it in a man's world and the corporate ladder and all of that. When I was in Sydney, I'm like, okay, I knew I wanted to work all, all over the world. So I said, okay, by the time I'm 30, I want to be a creative director of a London agency, advertising agency. I want to be earning six figures. I want to do all of this stuff. And as the years progressed, sure enough, it all came true. Everything like really slipped into place of this like conscious goals and life that I'd created. But as the years went on, I felt so out of alignment and I knew that the conscious life that I'd very consciously created, it didn't fit who I was and who I came here to be. And the harder I worked, the further I got away from who I am at soul level and who the work that I know I came here to, to do. And so, yeah. And then We've spoken about this before. I had, it was around my sudden returns, which was like 28. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it was like, I could feel my life beginning to crumble around me. You know, I'd wake up like at 3, 3.33 or 3.30, at the same time every night. And it was like, I wouldn't say it was a panic attack, but it was just like, 
oh god and I could feel it crumbling then sure enough little by little within like a three to six month period my life really did crumble around me I lost one of my dearest friends and probably the only he was at that time the only person my own age who I really showed the full breadth of who I was like the depth of my spirituality we both had said to each other that once we make it in our careers, me as a creative director, him as an actor, then we'd go and write the books together. Then we'd go and be the spiritual teacher. Then we'd do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I got this phone call while I was in London. He was in Sydney saying that they just found out he had leukemia. And it was like my heart fell through the floor to get back to Australia. And I got straight on a plane. Like seriously, I was wearing like a tracksuit pajamas and got straight on a plane. And I felt his presence with me like just an hour into the flight and I knew he'd gone in that moment. And it was like in that moment, I just knew that everything needed to change. And sure enough, then I ended up, did all the funeral stuff, went back to London and then it was just before my 30th birthday, like a couple, like a month or so later, we were on our way to to France where we'd hired a villa. It was meant to be a great celebration. And then another really good friend of ours who was also friends with my friend Blair, like their profile pictures are together. She passed away suddenly. And then a couple of weeks later, another, it was just like, and it's just rug pulled, rug pulled, rug pulled. And then it became very evident that my 11 year relationship, it was like, it needed to end. And so he went back to Australia. And so I was literally really just on my own in a different country, but knowing that this was exactly where I needed to be and moved into an awesome flat in Notting Hill. It was just lovely. But then within 24 hours, I discovered that that was falling apart too. It's like it needed new electrics. It needed a new flooring. It needed new freaking everything. And then this one morning as I was in kind of bouts of grief, I was kind of like, oh, and I kind of like began to cry. And then the water pipes burst in unison. And I was just like, oh my God. Literally, I fell to my knees. Like it was like I'd woken up to it. So it was like just like this watery sea of despair. And I think often I've shared this story before and many people have come up to me and said, oh my gosh, the same things happened to me with the water pipes and all of that. So often notice what is happening in your surrounds as you're being called to surrender to it. And so I really just got on my hands and knees. And for the first time in my whole life, it was like finally allowed my body, my mind, my personality to surrender and with conviction asked my soul to step forward and lead. Wow. And Ever since that moment, and I think often it does take the rock bottom moment like that. You know, I wrote a prayer or a poem, which is called, I pray that you hit rock bottom. Yeah. Because actually it's the best thing that can ever happen to us. As tragic as it is, it's also beautifully poetic. And I believe that actually it's when we are in the darkness that our light is brightest because we can see it. We're feeling the heaviness, but it's there. We know it's there. Mm -hmm. And all we need to do then, it's actually a lot simpler. We just need to follow it and start walking towards it. And yeah, so that's what I did. I got very clear guidance. I had been working as a trained up as an intuitive guide, doing soul readings and life coaching, mentoring and all of that. And I knew what my intuition was and I knew that I needed to follow it. And so I just did that. And the clear guidance I got was to be very disciplined with my spiritual practice. So 
there's a form of spiritual practice I do called, I call light sourcing where you just allow the universe really to fill you up. And I know you've just experienced it this weekend. Yeah. Phenomenal. If anyone wants a free copy, like just go to my site, rebeccacampbell.me, free download. It's honestly, I still do it every day. I've done it every day for, what would that be? must be like about five years now. Wow. Like, is it the same every day or just so incredibly powerful? Like, yeah. Experience on a oh, I see. As in, like, do tears come and all of that every day? Yeah, just that, like the... Yeah. No, it differs. So when I was first doing it, because I had a lot of stuff to clear, I was crying all the freaking time. And the same thing happened to me because I love chanting. What I think chanting and light sourcing do, they bring you back home. And so those tears of sorrow, they're tears of joy of just, like, oh, there you are. I've been waiting for you. So because I've been doing it every day for five years, I don't cry every time. But sometimes I do. It's like why I think light sourcing is such a powerful form of meditation, particularly for strivers, particularly for those of us who have learned to succeed in a linear system where it's like we got to fit in, we got to do, we got to do, we got to do. Is so what you're effectively doing is what I did on that watery carpet floor. It's like you're finally going, okay, I surrender, now fill me up. Wow. So you're aligning with that force. And for me, I believe that mysterious force is the same force that controls the spinning of the planet. It's the same force that controls the waxing and waning of the moon, which then controls our monthly cycle as women. You know, it's like it's the same force that, that tells the flower, the intelligence in it, when to open and when to close seasons. It's like Oh, it's such a relief when we surrender to that because what we have learned in a corporate world, and, and this is not to say the masculine is bad, rather it's about bringing the two into balance. What we have learned is to like make it happen ourselves, right? But when we're kind of like pushing, we're resisting against that universal flow. And so to me, the light sourcing, chanting, other things like that, it's like we're surrendering back into the effortless path. That's how it feels to me. And I guess I did one other thing which was significant was I followed what lit me up. Yes. And that just sounds so freaking simple. Yeah. And it is. But yeah. it's really powerful. Particularly, again, if you're... Because when we're trying to work out what our path is and we're trying to, what's my soul calling? What's my purpose? What business should I do? We're wanting this big answer. Yeah. Most of us, in my experience working with people, the number one thing that stops us is that we want to know the end result very clearly. Like we want to know exactly what the next career is or exactly what job we're meant to do. But in my experience, the dots only join in the end. Yeah. And if we go back to what I was saying about like the light worker, the light worker is someone who has dedicated themselves to being a bright light on the world, to lighting up the world with their presence. And, you know, you might be like, oh, worker sounds a bit wishy-washy or whatever. That's fine. Put a, a different title on it, right? But to be lit up is to be aligned with your spirit and your soul. Mm. And Einstein said that intuition is sacred gift, our rational mind, its faithful servant. But we've created a society that worships the servant, the rational mind, and dismisses the intuitive gift, the sacred gift. And so to me, a light worker is someone who knows the sacred gift and puts that in the center of their life. Mm -hmm. And so to be a light worker, it's not 
so much about doing the light as it is being the light. And for me, a recovering doer, <laughs> you know, I'd go deadline to deadline to deadline, make it happen, make it happen, make it happen, trying to figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. It was life-changing to do that because what it led me to was when I wrote my list, which was things that light me up, the first thing that I got was flowers. And to me, I felt really let down by that answer because I was like, I need something more full of here. <laughs> this is my life. <laughs> exactly. But I knew enough about intuition at that stage. It's like, you need to honor this. And so I did. And so I bought myself flowers every single week. And those flowers surrounding my house in that beauty opened my heart and healed my heart and softened me. As I was softened, I felt more creative and I was inspired. And that word inspired, it's in spirit. Anything that lights you up or put inspire there instead puts you into that state where you're letting that sacred gift, the intuition lead you. And so I was led to walk in nature every day where I discovered Regent's Park Rose Garden, which is just so freaking beautiful. One of my favorite places on the planet. And so I'd walk there and also Hyde Park in the morning and I'd let myself be moved by the beauty around me. And then all of a sudden, the soul whispers, I call them, which were like just little headlines, little thoughts, little moments of connection, I felt. I started writing them down. And I started an Instagram page. And then I started a blog. Then it turned into a book proposal. And then it turned into a book. And then it got accepted by Hay House. So I finished the book. It was just, whoa, I couldn't have done that. And I remember being, and it wasn't that long after of following that thread every single day of the things that lit me up. I then found myself like sitting with my laptop and putting the last word of my first book, Light is the New Black, and going file and save and being like, holy shit, I think I just finished my book. And I looked up and I was in the center of Regent's Park Rose Garden where I'd written the whole thing from park bench to park bench to park bench. And so I'm in awe of that and how, in a way, easy that was. And in another way, how hard it was because it was like the dedication and the trust. It's the trust that we're being held and led. And I was doing that while I had another job. It's not like I was like, let me quit my job and then let me just start now. It's like, no, I rode two surfboards for a long time until it was time to leap. And then, you know, and I think if there's anyone who is thinking about, oh God, maybe you're in a job and you know you want to leave, but it's like, oh, I'm so freaking scared of other people judging me. You know, for me, a big thing was, what do I tell my clients? Because I was starting to build a public profile while I had a job. And so I'm like, I'm, you know, I have to quit because these clients... They see me as this and I've pitched for business. And exactly. I know you understand this. I think it's really interesting because what we're really doing is bringing ourselves back in alignment together. And so it was really important to me that I didn't hide, that I didn't have to like push it all in everyone's face. For me, it was about, okay, let me say what's true. And so I remember I went to my boss. I think I had like a six month noticed period it was quite a long time so I gathered up the courage and you know chickened out a few times and then I finally said okay look and I went into this meeting and and then he basically gave me everything that I'd ever wanted like he's like look you deserve a pay rise 
I'm going to give you this. You can have those new team members and all of that. Now, what did you want to talk to me about? I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I said, look, I have this niggle, this dream that I've always wanted to do. And I feel like, you know, I'm in this rare moment in my life where I can actually make it happen. If I don't do it now, I'll regret it. So I need to hand in my notice and yeah, I'm going to, he's like, well, what are you going to do? And so for me, instead of me going, oh, I'm going to go do soul readings and teach spiritual stuff or whatever. What I said was I'm going to write a book, a self-development book, right? Because for me, that was a very true, but it was also a beautiful bridge because I was a writer, copywriter, whatever. And so it was like, oh, okay, cool. And he was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, what do you need in order to do that? And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to get like some freelance work a couple of days a week or whatever. And he's like, okay, well, why don't you just freelance here instead? And so I effectively, I walked into his office to quit my job. And I walked out, honestly, like it was like 20 minutes later, having quit my job, had the same job, like the same title, but gone freelance technically. So I was free to do my work three days a week. And because I was freelance, I actually got a pay rise working less. Talk about the universe having you. Talk about support. Exactly, exactly. And that was like, holy, wow. But when you surrendered. Well, this is it. Mm. Unattached, unattached. So like, I hope that story gives someone hope and faith to do that. And I must say as well, I was still afraid. I think it's important for us to talk about the topic of like, when you are quitting your job, you've built up this reputation. Yeah. And I mean, I had realized that my worst case scenario was that I'd quit my job and what I was wanting to do, like writing books, being a spiritual teacher, whatever, all of that stuff, if that didn't work out, that was just such a failure. It just went terribly. The worst situation I'd been in, I'd been in exactly the same space that I was in right then. Yeah. So it was like the worst case scenario was what I was already in. (laughs) And I find this is such a common thing, you know? And so I think I talk a lot about elevator pitch when you're leaving the job. So for me, instead of like going into past lives and all that stuff, what I did was I'm giving myself six months to write the book I've always wanted to write. Oh my God. And then I stopped speaking. I didn't justify, I didn't say anything. I just like bit my tongue and was like, yeah. And oh my God, the response from people, when you say that kind of stuff with conviction, you need to protect yourself, I think, because otherwise you're going to get everyone's fears of like, how will you survive? all of that shit forget all of that have your little elevator pitch and so for me it was like I'm gonna write a book everyone was like oh my gosh I want to do this we think it's going to be about us but it's not it's all about the other person (laughs) so I just really want to encourage anyone out there who is in the bridge job or in the riding two surfboards bit. Like don't be ashamed of having the day job for a bit while you're really realigning yourself to who you are. And give yourself some space to actually give yourself space yeah. and take the pressure off. And I think also there's no shame in changing your mind of going, this was what I chose to do. Now I'm being called in a different direction. And it's okay to let go of the identities, let go of the job, let go of all the things that were who you were and got you to where you are right now, you know? Like in the Northern Hemisphere is where recording this, it's autumn now. And that's all about letting those identities that once served us and things that once served us 
fall away yes. so that what comes spring what's blooming in us can rise mm. so yeah but it's not easy and it's fascinating throughout these interviews most people go through a rock bottom moment you know like you said, where you know where you, you're pushing you're pushing you're pushing and then you just can't push anymore and then a lot of people would describe my experience is similar to yours you know it's a rock bottom moment of like i just can't do it show me what to do mm. you know, that relaxing How beautiful trusting and yeah but unfortunately sometimes we have to go to that bad place before we can then come out fully and it's like how much does it take for you to surrender these days i would say it takes less <laughs> i notice it quicker yeah. yeah i think it's becoming more and more open isn't it that the universe is and the world is shifting and has shifted in mm-hmm. such a short space of time you know in the mm-hmm. last three to five years it's become much more socially acceptable to talk about spirituality than it has been so true so true and in saying that i think actually the shifts that we're being called to make are happening quicker like i feel like you know we used to just have like one big thing happen in our lives but it's like you know, we're just being into center constantly. So, well, it's a yeah. fire. What a wild ride. I think we all deserve medals being human. <laughs> well, and it's a fire monkey year as well. So there's cheeky stuff happening and the energy is oh, incredible. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. What's next year? Oh, I would have to look that yeah, up. But it's worth looking into because it does, um, you know. Yeah, I haven't thought of that this year. Set the scene mm. what's happening. But mm. you just shared some really great stuff there. I think for people out there listening who potentially kind of like, well, I can't hear my intuition. I don't know what to do. Like, I would really encourage you to start sourcing, you know, take a look at Rebecca's website and, you know, start actually having a daily practice. Because I like you, we talked before. And, you know, for me, when I started to have my regular practice on a daily basis, that was when I started to be able to listen and actually receive mm. more and get more into myself um, I so agree mm. but there's a couple it's of questions and powerful <laughs> yeah and effective absolutely and effective but oh Rebecca thank you so much for coming your wisdom with us today mm-hmm. all of Rebecca's details will be in the show notes so if you want to hear more or find out more about Rebecca they will be definitely in our show notes and I really encourage you, like I had the most amazing experience of the weekend with sourcing and Rebecca is an expert in sourcing and you can find out more on her website, but it's a beautiful way to start the day, bringing in energy and bringing in that life force. But thank you so much, Rebecca. And uh, I hope to, we hope to have you back soon. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. See you, Kitty. Bye, Bye run. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Kitty Talks. Be sure to head over to our kittytalks.com website, become a member of our exclusive club, and you'll get free interviews and access to our private Facebook group, exclusive webinars, and secret success interviews. See you there.